When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. FMC Fast Chat takes you inside the news so you can be in the know in 30 minutes. Hosted by Fair Media Council CEO and Executive Director Jackie Clement, Fast Chat features notables in news, media, and business. Thank you for joining us in this episode of FMC Fast Chat. We are honored to have with us Hall of Fame broadcaster and legendary news anchor, Ernie Anastas, and all-around great guy. I should add that in Uh, right at the beginning. So, Ernie, thank you so much for being with us. Jackie, uh, I could say the same for you. You know, we've known each other for some time. You are a very special person. A lot of people, you know, follow you and know what you do, but you really are. Uh, I I commend you because I read a lot of the things that you send, a lot of the articles, a lot of the comments that you make. And, and I, I really respect you because you are tuned into what's going on in a very quick, changing, amazing industry. And, and I thank you very much for keeping us up to date. Well, thank you for that. That's very kind. But that industry is exactly what I want to talk to you about. Okay. Because you know news, you know broadcasting better than anybody. You well, may have actually set the standard for what the modern day anchor should be. You know, I don't know if you realize that in the body of your work. Of how respected you are. Um, but I want to talk to you, you know, how you believe the in- industry has changed from the early days. But also, I mean, you're out with a new show. You were off the airwaves for a little bit, yep. but now you're back with us. Yes. Um, and I want to talk to you about this new show that you've got cooking. So wherever you want to start. Sure. Well, I'll start with your first question about how the industry has changed. And it really has. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm dating myself, but I know you understand this. But I remember, you know, when I when I first came to New York in 1978, I mean, we really only had the basic channels on the air. And, you know, we were all doing extremely well. People were watching us. We didn't have that much competition. And it dramatically changed with everything that we've seen. I mean, from cable, my goodness, you know, the satellite to the Internet uh, and everything else that's followed suit, streaming, you name it. And it's just very, very different. Uh, there's a lot of good to be said about what it was like before, because mm-hmm. people would watch a six o'clock news. They would watch it for a half hour, which was your local news in the market. And then at 630, you had the network news. And then at 10 o'clock or at 11 o'clock, that was it. We yeah. really didn't have that much activity, you know, that we morning shows, afternoon shows, 24-7. So that's changed dramatically. And I think what it's done, uh, it, it's taken away a lot of the community, uh, the mm-hmm. sense of community. Yeah. When when people would tune in, when my parents would tune in, I was a kid, everybody would watch whatever it was, you know, the Ed Sullivan show at, at nine o'clock on a Sunday night. Everybody would be watching a particular show at a given time. It was appointment watching. Now everything has changed. It's all on demand. And people want that. They, they just want to say, I want to see that when I want to see it. And I want to eliminate commercials. It's just a, 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 an overthrow of everything that we've done in the past. But a lot of it is good because, you know, when I've been on the air, we've had breaking news. Many times I'd be sitting there and, you know, you're on the air for hours following a breaking story and uh, looking for background information. If you have this in your hand, 
All you have to do is Google up some information, fires in New York, and you get a whole rundown of all the, if, if I'm covering right. a fire, all of the fires in New York. I mean, whatever it is, the information is incredible. And, and I am I'm, I'm honored to be part of that and to have experienced it. I think it's great. The problem, Jackie, as we know with a lot of things in life, is something called abuse. Mm-hmm. And, and when we abuse this power and we use it in a negative way, and we could start talking about everything from bullying to misinformation that's put across. I mean, right. there's a plethora of information out there that really is disturbing. And I mean, you know, I grew up in the Cronkite era. Walter Cronkite was a very dear friend. He was a mentor in many ways. And I remember sitting there talking with Walter and he was very careful about, you know, sources, making sure that we were accurate, that we were fair and our information was correct. We would never go on the air with anything that would be called a rumor. Where today, you know, reporters are filling the time, but also reports are coming in from social media that are saying whatever, and they're saying, well, this is a social media report, and, and rumor has it that this is going on. They never would report that years ago. Today, um, almost anything goes. But, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't like to be negative. I like to be positive, you know. Wait, no, yes. <laughs> yeah, it kind of leads me into, you know, what I'm doing and why. Um, when COVID, you know, really broke and things were moving in 2020, uh, I was still on the air on Fox 5. I was doing the 6 o'clock news and I loved my program. And I had a wonderful time and Fox was very good to me. I uh, did the news, but we also had a lot of interesting stories that were part of my 6 o'clock. Right. Uh, stories that, you know, were, were different and were up uplifting, but were informative. Um, you know, they had a lot of meat to them, but they were good interviews. And I enjoyed it. Well, I was on the air and we were doing pretty well. And then all of a sudden, this whole thing called COVID, which, you know, changed the world. And so, you know, I had to do some thinking. And they were changing things around. They were doing a lot of remote broadcasts and so forth. And I decided that it was time to sit and talk to Fox. And I had time on my contract. And we came to a nice agreement. I wanted to take a year. And I wanted to do a program at Harvard Business School. It's a leadership program, but there were several courses involved over the course of the year, each semester. So I did it. And, and that was an experience because, you know, uh, you talk about how education has changed. And I love education. But I mean, I would get up in the morning at six o'clock and we would do a conference with students and professors from different parts of the world. We'd be talking to somebody in Hong Kong and somebody in China and someone else in, 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 in Paris. I mean, it was just incredible, but I learned a lot mm-hmm. grew from that experience and uh, took advantage of that time that I had off. And after that, I said, you know, I, I really want to focus on positive stories. Um, having done the news for four decades in New York, and prior to that, I was on the air in Boston, Providence, and Chicago. And so, you know, it's a lot of years of covering solid, hard news. And I wanted to spend my time now focusing on how to help people, how to improve life, how to turn things around, how to look for solutions rather than just dealing with the problem. Let's let's talk about the solutions. And so I came up with this program, Positively America, and we have produced 26 programs. Uh, They're half hour shows. We started about a month ago. We have 26 shows. We have about 23 of them already done and produced and all of the B-roll and the music and so forth. And so we're on the air approximately, the last count was about 175 stations around the country in different markets. Now, I'm going to go back again to appointment viewing, you know, mm-hmm. versus on demand. 
even though we're on the air on a lot of stations around the country, people want it on demand. So we're finding that what we're doing now is we're negotiating to be on one of the main streaming services because it's easy to tell somebody you're on, you know, Hulu or whatever, because then everybody can watch you wherever they are and they can watch it when they want. So we're, we're close to getting something done and we'll announce that pretty soon. But it's nice to be on the air in all these different you know, markets around the country. But they're different time periods. Some have it on on Saturday. Others have it on Sunday. They're different time periods. But I like the show a lot. Uh, I do interviews with people talking about, you know, lifestyle issues, education, family, the economy. Mm -hmm. But we talk about positive things. What are we doing now that's, that's making things better? How can we improve? And, and I love doing the show. And they're all great people that I've had on the air before who are experts in their field. And it's just energizing for me to be on the air. And then at the end of the program, I give a little bit of my own motivational, you know, minute and a half where I start talking about, you know, why, why we need to improve and, and how we can improve our lives or, or having more contact with our family and understanding uh, the news so we can share that with our children. So I love the show. And in, on top of all of that, uh, and I don't want to let anything out of, the, out, of the, out of the bag right now, but I'm working on something else that I've been asked to do. That could be really interesting uh, involving media on, on a national basis. And it's exciting because it involves a lot of multimedia platforms, mm -hmm. which, as you know, Jackie, this is your beat. This is the way everybody's going. There isn't just one thing you do now. You, you do a podcast. You know, you do a radio show. You do television. You do uh, out-of-home television. You do all kinds of things. But I love it. I love it. All right. I, I want to focus a little bit on the concept of positive news, because yeah. I know that's been an interest of yours for a while. Mm -hmm. How did that begin with you in particular? Um, but also, I, I know, you know, when people hear that concept, it's just, you can hear them breathe out, give a sigh of relief, because there's just so much negative news out there. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things when, when you just go through the news throughout the day, there's just a balance that's off. And it's missing. You know, you can't give people just constant bad news, bad news, bad news. You have to give them some reason to look forward to tomorrow. Yes. You know, so I, I think the concept of positive news may resonate now more than ever. Well, I, I agree with you. And, and I think when we're talking about positive, we also have to look at the definition of what we're saying. Mm -hmm. The last thing I would want to do is put down a, a lot of fine news organizations Mm -hmm. And friends of mine, colleagues, really serious broadcasters and journalists who care about what they do. And I applaud them. And I would never want to put them down for trying mm -hmm. to do the best. They can't help the nature of the news. Yeah. Uh, but when you're trying to fill 24-7 or a number of newscasts on your station, you're looking for a lot of stories. And, and many times, you know, when you're, you're looking at a lot of the cable outlets, they, they have a hook on what the news story is, but then they get into this thing called discussion and opinion. And that's where people have a difficult time wondering, well, is that their viewpoint? Is that their, yeah. you know, is it news or views? Mm -hmm. what's, what's the, what, what is the difference here? News or views? And right. I think it confuses a lot of viewers. So when I talk about positive news, it started way back. Um, I started when I was 16 years old. I worked at a little radio station in my hometown in New Hampshire, and I got a job as an announcer. And I was doing the weekends. I did newscasts. I did a, an interview program where I interviewed teenagers, and I was 16, and we, we had different high schools. 
mm-hmm. and we would talk about little different issues that were going on and play their top songs. And so as I continued in the world of news and, and journalism, I always had that interest. So wherever I was working in Providence, Rhode Island, I was at the anchorman of the 11 o'clock news, but I had a program um, where I did interviews and it was a once, once a week special. And I would bring in a newsmaker and I'd bring in some young students and they would help question the newsmaker. And everywhere I would be, I would always look for something uh, to do positive stories because I felt that that was an expression of who I was, but also it was the balance. Yeah. Walter Cronkite once said to me, Ernie, and you know, he had that fabulous voice, Ernie, let me tell you this now. And he said, we are watchdogs. We're not lap dogs and we're not attack dogs. Mm-hmm. We're watchdogs. Our job is to bark, let people know what's going on, motivate them to listen, to do something if they want, to take uh, you know, some action if that's what they need to do, or just to be informed. But that's our job, to be watchdogs. So in my role as, as a person who looks for more positive stories, what I'm looking for, Jackie, is the balance. You have to know what's going on. You have to understand what, what the stories are of the day. I, I, would, I would never say, you know, that doesn't belong on the air. Of course it belongs on the air. But I'm looking for a balance. Give me an alternative. And so what I'd like to do is to be able to just put stories on the air from wherever they happen to be about good things that are happening. And I'm talking about meaty stories, um, stories that have good information attached to them. I'll interview a, a specialist in the field. If it's a psychologist, we'll talk about, uh, you know, whether it's uh, older people dealing with dementia or Alzheimer's, what are the real changes? How do you deal with them? How do you make it better? How do you bring love and care into a family? Not looking at just the negative side of it. Gee, this is terrible. This is awful. And showing that angle. So that's to me, that, that's what positive news is, to be able to motivate people to help them, to give them an idea that there is another side. It isn't all one-sided. And we all look for relief. We all look for We all need that relief. Yeah. And I think that it's very important that you point that out because I think a lot of people think if you say positive news, you're either talking about publicity for someone mm-hmm. or, or just fluff, you know, where, where there's no real value to it, but it may make you happy for a minute or it may make the person happy who it's about more than anything. <laughs> you know, if you start if you start looking at some of the research of what people are watching these days, and I'm not trying to plug any channel, but a lot of people, and, I, and I've read a lot of the research, are watching the Hallmark Channel uh-huh. because, you know, they're love stories and there's no violence. Uh, there isn't anything that's really offensive there. They're watching HGTV because, mm-hmm. you know, it gives them an opportunity to see structures being put up. Being ch- They're looking for, for the alternative to just being bombarded every day with negative stories. And if you watch the news, you know, it's one story after another. And I know many newscasts try to have a little feature story at the end of the broadcast, which I think is great. But Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that this is an alternative. If you want to see something different, hear something different, then you can go here. And I think we need that. With so many choices today, I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that it's needed. Yeah. Now, break it down for me a little bit, though. So from your perspective, one, what makes a good news story? But also... How do you make a good, how do you make a new story good? Okay. I think the way you make a good story good, uh, and, and I, I keep going back to my friend Walter, God, God bless him, because I spent a lot of time with Walter. 
when I, I asked Walter, how do we decide on a lead story? Mm-hmm. And he said to me, you think about how many lives this story impacts. How many people are affected by this story? So if we bring it into today's coverage of news, you stop and you say, what are people interested in? If it happens to be a social issue, if it happens to be children who are, let's say, bullied and how they deal with it in school or how they deal with it on this medium, mm-hmm. then you find people who are really well-read, well-versed on the subject. You bring them in and you talk to them about what can be done. Are there positive stories out there that have worked to, to avoid this problem for children? I don't have to tell you the statistics. How many kids commit suicide because they're being bullied? You know, when we were growing up, if you had an argument with a kid, it was in the it was in the in, in the schoolyard. Right now, it's on the internet, and everybody can see it. And there's manipulation of video, putting a face on someone else's body in a different place. These are serious problems, but we have to deal with that. So, a good story involves um, a story that affects a lot of people, mm-hmm. good information that is well researched, and information that you can use and you can apply to your life. And I also believe in giving people a place to go. When you finish a story, you should say, if you want more information on this, here are two websites. Here are two good books uh, that you can read. So it's a form of education. It's a form of informing people and educating them on a particular topic so they can grow and learn and, you know, be better. Yeah. Okay. Now, let me ask you, we're really going to break it down to the fundamental uh, foundation right now with, as I see a lot of younger people in news struggling with this, and I see a lot of educators struggling with this who are teaching future journalists. How would you define news? Hmm. It's changed. Hmm. Um, you know, news is, you know, who said news is, is the same thing that happened yesterday, but to different people, <laughs> you know, and, and it just, it's repetitive. Unfortunately, it becomes repetitive and, and, and it shouldn't be that way. Sometimes, you know, you like to look for something fresh. But to me, news is something that people um, want to know about what's going on in their community, going on in the world, how it impacts their lives. And, and there are stories that really should cover a, a wide range of information. And the problem today with defining news is that there's so much of it out there. Uh, try to remember the author, but he wrote a book called Information Anxiety. Okay, And it was a a wonderful book that I read. His name will come to me shortly, but it was a terrific book. And he was talking about how people are just so confused by everything that they have available to them that they're not sure of where the truth is. That's a problem today, Jackie. You've talked about that. Where is the truth? And that's confusing a lot of people. I interviewed someone on the air, um, a fine social scientist. I think she was from Harvard. She was wonderful. And I said, what's the problem? Why are we so upset? Why are we so stressed out these days? And she said, you know what? I'm going to narrow it down to one thing. I said, go ahead. We have too many choices. And too many choices confuse people. I mean, everything. Have you been into a a, a drugstore lately to buy some toothpaste? Oh, forget trying to pick out a light bulb in Home Depot. (laughs) I mean, really, there's an additive. You know, there's a new thing. There's a... It's like it makes you so people feel anxious because they're not sure if they're making the right choice, the right decision. 
They buy something, they, they, they choose something, and then someone says, yeah, but you should have done this, you should have tried that. Oh, the new thing is out. So it's confusing to define news these days. I mean, you know, fundamentally, you know, it's something that people, you know, need to know. I mean, what's to be informed, uh, particularly of what's happening. If you also look at choices that people are making because of everything that we have, but if you go to any television uh, home and you say, what are you watching? They watch their local news channels in any city, local news. They'll end up watching some network cable channels, and then they choose, you know, whatever it is, uh, home shopping, mm -hmm. HGTV. It's a handful, but everybody wants to know what's going on in their community. And can I say one thing about local news? Absolutely. I've, I've, I've spent, you know, my lifetime uh, doing the news in New York and, and in other markets. I have to applaud local news. And the reason I say that is because all the years that I've been in it, and today as I observe it, we deal with just the stories in facts and information. You really don't see opinion on a local newscast. You don't. It's just information. It's facts. It's what's going on. It's the news. It's the weather. It's the sports. It's a little mm -hmm. talk in between, but it's a pretty clear view of what's going on. If I'm traveling and I'm in some other city, I'll watch a local newscast because especially now, it's not just the local news because they will put in national and international stories, but it's just clear cut reporting. And, mm -hmm. and I, I'm, I'm proud of that. I, I really think that local stations do a great job by being a good source for just information and nothing more. Yeah. And it's necessary training for when they, if they decide to go to network, right. you know, yeah. how, how to report, how to find a source, how to check facts. Yeah. One, one of the things, too, that uh, and, you know, I've, I've always um, uh, been interested, as, as you know, in positive, but also children. And I've written two books. Uh, one was the history of teenagers in America, which was called Twixt Teens Yesterday and Today. I love that book back <laughs> in 1983. It was just a wonderful book, Fashion, Fad and Lifestyle of the American Teenager. And then I did another book called, um, uh, let's see, it was called Ernie and the Big News, The Adventures of a TV Reporter, and with a charity called um, St. Francis Pantry's Food Shelters in New York. We went out and we donated over 15,000 books to schools in New York, uh, elementary schools. We would mm -hmm. get four or 500 children in, in, in an auditorium, and I would read a little bit of the book, but I would talk about more than anything, I would talk about their career. What do they want to do with their life? When I asked them about the news in the very beginning of my speech, I'd say, you know, do you want to be on the news someday? And some kids, you know, would say, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I would say that at least once or twice in all these auditoriums, that I, we probably went into at least 25 schools in New York. You know how many kids would say, well, you got to kill somebody to be on the news. Yeah. Yeah. Do you realize what they said? That really frightened me when I heard that. I said, I can't believe this. Because mm -hmm. you think you have to do something bad yeah. to make the news. And I said, wait a minute, kids. We need to reward good behavior. People who are doing good things. Not necessarily, you know, saving the cat from the tree. People who are really digging into their community, wherever they happen to be, and just mm -hmm. doing something good. And so that's another part of the positive news that I'm talking about. Let's have a balance. Let's reward good behavior, not always bad behavior, because they're the ones that become the stars. They're the ones that get the contracts. They're the ones that make the money. They're the ones that get the stardom. 
There's something wrong with that. I, I think you might agree with me, Jackie. Oh, I definitely agree with you. I right. do. I do want to touch on one element here, um, which is because we've gotten so internet focused and internet driven. A lot of times when we talk about news, we talk about how anyone anywhere can be their own news outlet now because all they have to do is establish a website. Sure. You know, as long as they have internet access, they can claim that they're anyone anywhere saying anything. I want to touch you though, you know, in broadcasting to get on as many stations as you did, right. keeping in mind that you have a reputation and a knowledge of the business and the ability to go out there and say, I'm doing a show and people know who you are. How tough is it for you to get on those stations? On the stations that I'm on now with my program? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. It wasn't that difficult. I started okay. with Gray Television, a fine mm -hmm. company, and they set me up. We started, and we started okay. with, I think, 50 stations or so. They also work with a company called Telco. They're out in Santa Monica. And he's a former reporter, uh, Alex Payne wrote a book about his time in Iran with the hostages. And he has his own company now. So he works with, with Gray and he's added more stations. So it's 175 and counting. It'd probably go up to about two, 225. The reason yeah. that the stations are taking it is because it's good content. Mm -hmm. Stations want content, but they're looking for good content. And this yeah. is a solid program for many reasons. The information is good. A lot of it is evergreen, so mm -hmm. it isn't dated. It's extremely well produced and it looks professional. The set is great. Um, everything about it is first class. Mm -hmm. So when they look at a show like that and they say, this has all the key elements of a good program, they take it. So mm -hmm. it wasn't that difficult. And I also think, and I, you know, I'll say that in, in a humble way, and you know how I feel about this. Um, I think when they look at me and they look at my reputation, they look at the quality of my work. Yeah. Um, and the kind of awards that I've won over the years and the reputation, I think they say, well, this is a quality guy. And if he's doing something, it, it has to be pretty good. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that helps. Uh, credibility is, you know, there's something about credibility. My God, I gave a, a, a commencement speech a couple of times, uh, Marist College, wonderful school, New York mm -hmm. Institute of Technology, Manhattanville, a lot of different colleges. And I remember giving um, a, a speech to these young people. And I said, you know, you're all going out into the world and you're starting your career, you're starting your life. And this is a story about a young person who was talking to a mentor. And the mentor said, okay, when you go out there, you're gonna be dealing with a lot of the things that we all deal with. Some will be unique to you, but there are fundamental things that you will deal with in your life. And think of them as balls that you're juggling in the air, okay? And there are five of them, five balls. What are they? Work, family, friends, health, and reputation. Now, let's talk about your work, the work ball. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a rubber ball and it's going to bounce, you know, and you may have a good time and things are working out. And then all of a sudden, you know, you level off and things aren't so good. You might get fired. You know, things may not work out for you. But somehow that rubber ball is going to bounce and you're going to find your way. I want you to give it 300%. Whatever your career happens to be, passion, give it all you've got to excel and do what you were meant to do. I think that's important. Your work. But that's a rubber ball. Mm -hmm. Family, friends, health, and reputation. They're glass balls. Ah. Drop one of those balls. You can chip it or you can shatter it. Where do you put your values? 
be careful of those four glass balls because they're so important in your life. And I think that's an important lesson for young people to learn. You can go after your career, you can do it, but don't sacrifice who you are, your values, your purpose, your sense of dignity and your reputation. For what? For, for just the money, for just the glory of being on there? Jackie, I have worked with so many people in this business, names that I will not drop, who have told me mm-hmm. I have a shallow victory. I'm a big name, made a lot of money, done this, done that, and so forth, but they're not happy with themselves because they've ruined their lives. Um, Bad relationships Mm -hmm. with their spouses, with their children, their health, they've ruined their health. They've done other things that got them into trouble. And, you know, I've worked with a lot of that and I've listened to it. And I'm not saying better than thou. Trust me, I'm not saying that. I would never say that about myself. But I, I think young people need to hear that, especially going into broadcasting, because there's this stardom thing that everybody's looking for. You know, you mentioned the Internet. Yeah, everybody wants to be, you know, the next you know, Bieber. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, I can, I can make it. But be careful with that, because when you're not on television, when you're not on the air, right, who are you? I was told a long time ago, and I believe this, mm-hmm. I give the TV screen life. The TV screen doesn't give me a life. Ah. I believe that that screen, that medium is, is identifying me, is defining me. I'm going to be lost when I'm not on there. And that is the sad thing with a lot of young people who just go for the glory of, oh, I want to be a star. No, it's okay to be on TV. It's fine. It's a nice thing. It's a great kick. But don't lose sight of those five balls. Very, very important. I think what you teach comes across in everything that you do. And it's interesting to me because you come across as authentic because of that. And and that is one of the key things that people talk about, but very few people understand it. Mm. So thank you for doing that. And I appreciate you explaining those stories because it really does help not only define you, but it also defines how you do what you do. And that I find interesting. So I I do want to ask you, though, um, for people that have stories that you may be interested in, how should they reach you? Yeah, uh, there, there is a place where they go to, and it's called info at Positively America TV. Uh, no, dot, TV.com. Okay, so let me let me do it again. Info, okay. Yeah, info at Positively America TV.com. Okay, all right. I want to make you- sure that I got it right, because you know what? We set <laughs> it up. No, no, we did set it up, and I wanted to make sure that it was the right thing, because sometimes, and people have been writing to us, and I love that. Uh, hold on one second, and I, I will find it in and make sure. Ask me another question while I'm looking this up. Okay. Yeah. I've got uh, two more questions for you. Sure. All right. Your stint at Harvard. What was the what was the biggest thing you learned there? Okay. Here it is. I was right. Info at positivelyamericatv.com. Got it. Okay. If they go to that website. Uh, they can send information. We'd love to hear good stories and we will answer them back and keep them up to date as to where they can watch. But that's where you go. I wanted to make sure that it was right. Info okay. at PositivelyAmericaTV.com. Perfect. Okay. So your question was, what's the best thing I learned at Harvard? Yeah. You know, I think what I learned was the professors that I had um, and, I, and I listed them. They were excellent. The professors that I had to me were very genuine. They were very real. And what I liked was their 
experience that they had in the world of business and communications. Many of the professors are not just educators. They've been out in the real world doing a lot of good work. And so when they spoke you know, about different issues, different things that we were involved in, it was, to me, a learning experience. Uh, and in many ways, it was better than the textbook because they were giving me stories that made sense. And, and it was practical. It applied to what I was doing. They also brought in a lot of other CEOs um, who were very successful at what they were doing and other people who were just starting up and what they were learning. There was a great exchange. So what I learned was I appreciate more than ever people who have been out there and doing the real thing. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt once wrote about the person who's in the arena, who understands you know, the, 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 the fight of the day, whose face is, is marred and, and bloody. Mm-hmm. And it's not the critic, but it's the person who really goes out there and does the work. And I I love that. I love that a lot. Uh, This David Garvin, uh, we had uh, Rebecca Henderson, uh, George Seraphim. These were wonderful people who gave to us practical experience and how to apply it. And I think if I were to bring in one word of what I learned at Harvard that was important to me, listen. If you want to be a good manager, if you want to be a good leader, Listen, help other people become leaders, guide them into that leadership. And that's your role as a leader. But listen, you know, that old line, uh, if you keep your door open, you'll find solutions. If you keep your door closed, you'll have problems. So you have to listen. And I think that that takeaway from, up, up, you know, on top of all the other great information that I had, and I've got stacks like that of folders that I've saved things that I hope will apply someday. But I think it was listen, pay attention, learn, and help other people to become as well. Okay. One final question because we have to wrap up. We're already at time. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Sure. What's the best part about being Ernie Anastas? (sighs) Appreciating the fact that everything that I have is a gift. Uh Um, I'll get spiritual because I do believe and uh, to me, it's a, it's a gift, and I'm grateful every day for what I have been given. And I want to reflect um, everything that I have. I think uh, there was a wonderful quotation, Irma Bombeck. When I die and I face God, I want to say, I don't have anything left. I've used all the talent that you gave me. Wow. I want to use it all. And I'm still working at it. I may <laughs> age, but I'll never be old because I really <laughs> like a young person. Greek philosopher said, I have a wish to die young, mm-hmm. but as late in life as possible. There you so go. Jackie, I'm still 17 years old working at that little radio station back in New Hampshire. The Fair Media Council is a 501c3 nonprofit organization advocating for quality news and working to create a media savvy society. For more information about the Fair Media Council and upcoming Fast Chat shows, check out fairmediacouncil.org. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank you.